Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Such sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Hello. I'm Kelly. Hey, you guys. A uh, lot of stuff coming up on the um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. Have you oh. gotten paying attention to the uh, the writer and director of the Avengers Kang Dynasty film. That's out now. I mean, it's, it's, it's gone now. It's not going to exist? Oh, it's not going to happen? They've taken the director and the writer both off of it. <laughs> oh. And, and they are working on something different now. And Is this a problem with the actor? I think that that's probably what they're doing is trying to... F- Pivot off of Kang. Uh, There's been rumors that maybe this is how they introduce Doctor Doom and make him the next bad guy. Sure. They've been talking all of a sudden casting on Fantastic Four. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I heard about that. I'm sorry, you want who for Mr. Fantastic? Right. And so there's there's all sorts of strange things going on. And then I just saw the trailer for Madam Web. Oh, well, I knew that was kind of in the works, but that's amazing that they're... Ready yeah, but but it's what is it? <laughs> not exactly the Madam Web I remember, and and I was yeah. I was thinking about this because I am a old comic book fan mm-hmm. who was a fan as a kid, and then I've kind of come back to it as an adult. But yeah. man, everything has changed so much that I am having a real difficult time figuring out who is supposed to be what. I remember Madam yeah. Web as a Spider-Man villain mm. and she was an old lady. And then the trailer comes out. She is a very young girl. There's suddenly a bunch of spider women figures and a evil Spider-Man character. Maybe. Yeah. There's, I'm lost. There's yeah. so much going on. And like the, it's, it's good to figure out which ones they're referencing because it is usually a series that they're kind of picking up on. Whether, you know, it's, it, it, there's usually something that they're trying to follow. Like Hawkeye, they were doing a really specific version of Hawkeye. Right. But no, you're right. I mean, like Agatha Harkness is, she's like an old, old lady who does a little bit of exposition. I think she was a bad guy for a little bit and then became like a babysitter. Yeah. So uh-huh. like, it, <laughs> yeah. It, they're, they're really rewriting a lot of stuff. So it it just makes me wonder then, I mean, with Loki and Quantumania, they sure. made Kang a very big villain. Yeah. Set him up at least. And yeah. I, I'm like, are we this opposed to just recasting a character? I don't understand because with Jonathan Majors, I, I was confused to see him in Loki season two in the first place. Just because of his legal troubles. Yeah, because if they're going to pull away from him... Wouldn't they have done that before Loki season two? You'd think. And before Quantumania? Because both of those, it was like, he was already in the news. So I'm like, why now are you pivoting? Because at this point, I mean, I get he's digging himself into a bigger and bigger hole. But at this point, like, you've already basically said, oh, no, we're fine with it. We're going to pretend like he isn't a problem. So, and now they're like, okay, we're going to do a different villain or you know you yeah just recast him very strange it's so weird they gotta get used to recasting because you know it's gonna start now i mean it's all right they've already done it they did it for um uh, iron man's buddy yeah (laughs) spider-man um yeah (laughs) they've they've done it a, a number of times and i don't see the problem with just being like i I don't know. And it's weird, too, because he's doing a really good job of acting, and that makes it even more complicated. Yeah. Um, Well, this has been uh, your daily dose of everything Tom hates. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Tom. He'll get over it. Well, I kind of want to... the world we live in. (laughs) I kind of wanted to use this as a springboard for the first thing I'm going to be talking about, which is uh, with the upcoming addition of the X-Men to the Marvel 
cinematic universe, I decided to try and catch up a little bit on kind of recent X-Men. And I am so oh fucking God. lost. No, don't. I tried <laughs> to do the same thing. I was like, wait, they're on an island. Yes. And then there's a new one. There's so, like a bunch. Of, no, no, no. X-Men is like, it's that boat has sailed. That's, <laughs> okay. So I, what I've done is I've been reading Jonathan Hickman's run on the X-Men, which okay. is what oh, okay. revamped the entire X-Men storyline and put them on the island of Krakoa and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But even just the, I'm just trying to figure out what comic book I'm reading. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's called The Powers of X is the first one. Mm-hmm. And then it was called The House of X. Uh-huh. And then it turned into Inferno. And I was like, am I, is this all Uncanny X-Men? Is Uncanny X-Men a thing? Is Uncanny X-Men a different thing than what I'm reading? So, and it, it turns Myra McTaggart into a mutant who uh, who dies, and then each time she's reborn, she changes the future of mutant kind. Jesus. And I'm reading all of this stuff, and I'm going, but wait a second. It, is she reborn as a baby, and then she goes through all this stuff and keeps the memories of her world? They don't ever talk about her childhood. They just talk about her when she decides to change how she meets Charles Xavier and Magneto. And I'm, I'm just like, this is, this is so hard to follow. Yeah, This happens with a lot of the, at least the Marvel stuff that I've tried to like dive into now and again. And then I end up going on forums and on different, like there's some nerd out there who listed (laughs) every comic in order of it coming out. And like, of course there's crossover events, there's people showing up in other things and then trying (laughs) to read it in that order. And it's, Still so fucking hard. Well, yeah, because when you have a when you have a character who dies and then changes the future every time she dies, and she's done this now as far as I've read, eleven times. Oh my Jesus. god. And I, I'm like, okay, all of these characters have interacted with other characters in the Marvel universe. Does that negate every comic ever made now? And how does any of this stuff work? And mutants are immortal now because they, on this island, they die, they get recloned, they come back. Charles puts their memories back in their head. It is all. And and on top of that, the design sense of the comics, I guess there are people who like this, but there's a lot of these weird numbers and everything flashing across the pages that look more like a a business form. And I, I'm like, boy, this is exhausting and it's not fun <laughs> and it's not good guys versus bad guys. Now it's basically the mutants are infighting among themselves. Uh, they've They've built this mutant nation mm-hmm. and now it's just all this subterfuge and backstabbing and blackmail going on and I'm I'm like this is not fun this is why I read Whoa. independent comics god no kidding because like this shit is wild every time I've tried to dive into even something that I really love like Spider-Man I I'll pick up a random thing from the library and I'm like wait okay you're the clone and you're Ben but then you have a son and his name is Ben, but then your kids died, but they didn't die in this one. But okay, but you retired, but then you married this person. And then in this version, you didn't marry this person because you made a deal with the fucking devil <laughs> that, for your yeah, Aunt I, I remember May those ones. to come back for some God knows what reason. She's old, let her die. There, no, it, it's so confusing. Wow. It's it's become a, uh, a chore to try and keep up with all of this stuff, but... The reason I was doing it was because I was wondering, okay, how are they going to introduce the X-Men into this Marvel Cinematic Universe now? And I'm like, are they going to try and follow this new X-Men? Or are they going to be trying to bring in the old X-Men, which is what they kind of do with the Brian Singer movies anyway? And Mm -hmm. and it's like, what are... I don't know what a uh, what a weird fucking situation the X Men are. Yeah, it's wow. it's really tough. I have asked um, many many X Men friends, uh, fans, friends, friends of mine who are really really into X Men. There you go. Uh, where to go? How to do? It. And every time I get these weird answers, and I try, I start and I try, and I go, nope, never mind. You're gonna want to start with Spider Man number. 403, <laughs> this introduces the idea of reincarnation and cloning, and then you're going to go over Well, to no, they'll say something like, oh, yeah, you can like, start what? with this one that just came out last year, and I'll pick it up and be like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. I can't start with this one from last year. I, I need to start, like, 
15, 20 years ago. You want to start with giant size X-Men number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's too, it's too much. It's really hard. That's why I almost wait for the Marvel stuff to already come out and then figure out what they used. And then I reread those and go, oh, yeah, those are much better than the <laughs> adaptation. You know, and then, of course, I'm. I'm reading, so the Marvels, which we both kind of enjoyed, Vanessa, you know, just bombed horribly, right? And so you've got the the real annoying fans who are just like, this is what they get for trying to do a woke superhero show with just female cast and everything. I'm like, well, maybe, except that the last several movies have sucked, right? What is the reason for that? Nothing new there. It's just that these movies Mm. aren't special anymore and yeah yeah but also i always get amused with that idea it's like you guys ever read a god loves man kills x-men they've been quote woke for a long 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 time time. certainly very political yes and like the last captain marvel rando comic that i read she was fighting with a bunch of ladies in space and that was like i don't know seven years ago that yeah. I read this. So I'm like, what are you talking about? There's, I think this already exists. Uh, and, and even, you know. I mean, the, the original character of Carol Danvers was created yeah. as a feminist comic book icon. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, just whatever saying, you can rage. I, you want to rage about something? I'm just going to fucking rage about it, whether it makes sense or not. <laughs> just rage. Right. The only thing that would make me hate all of this more is if mm-hmm. Kevin Smith gets a Marvel movie. Then you're going to see some fucking rage. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. There's He did a really good run of Daredevil. But uh, yeah, I don't think his movie sensibilities would translate well to, especially his last couple films, <laughs> translate well to. Ironically, too, uh, that, that run of Daredevil was awesome. And if he mm-hmm. was allowed to direct that, I'd be like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Um. Well, gosh. Uh so, you just have a movie to talk about, I suppose. <laughs> I know, I know. You know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna Ooh. talk about a video game. Okay, cool. Screw it. I've been spending a lot of time. Um, there, I don't have. Considering my job is mostly making yeah. video game trailers, I don't get to play a lot of video games oh, okay. uh, because I am spending so much time making trailers for them that I don't <laughs> have time for it. However, I decided to jump into one because it's um like a you can do co-op version, which is Baldur's Gate. Oh. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I've not played it, but I've heard of it. Well, okay. So every once in a while, I I think maybe I do like fantasy. And then I (laughs) delve into it a little and I go, no, no, (laughs) I like (laughs) sci-fi. I don't think I do like fantasy that much. Um, No, it's a a pretty interesting universe. It's basically D&D. It's just a Mm -hmm. D&D session. It's a lot of dice rolling. It's a lot of character creation. It's a lot of like really confusing upgrade system. Like, wait, what am I buying this person into? They're now a half or half assassin hmm. with uh, really good conversation skills. It, it just it's very thick in um, character development through upgrade systems. Um, the first time I played it for a couple hours, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> then my character, who is a druid, was able to talk to animals, and I did enjoy it <laughs> because the animals are fucking wild. They have the most random <laughs> shit to talk about. And that was really great. And then I ended up in this witch hut. And it's like one of the worst fights in the whole game, apparently. But I didn't know. I just thought this was like playing the game. And I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> this is a stupid game. I hate it. And I don't know why I'm playing it. None of like you you think you know what your character can do. And then you try to like go into a battle and you try your new like skill set and nothing does what you thought it was going to do at all and then you die and then you're stuck in the little witch hut and you can't get anyone to come and like resurrect your character and you're like what the hell why am i playing this stupid game it's endless and it's such a big world and all i'm doing is being a stupid like druid i don't know i'm i'm having a real love hate relationship with this game right now so i don't know how much further i will deal with it but I'm I'm definitely eager to just switch gears and play Spider-Man 2 instead. Wow. So I am uh, admittedly not very well versed in video mm-hmm. games. Is this a MMORPG type situation or? No. So um, I don't think that there's like a bunch of people running around really. I, it is just like a universe that somebody built. It's this really, really, really big world. 
Oh. Really, 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 really big world sort of with like, a lot of encounters. And you can randomly <laughs> like end up in an encounter by going five feet in any direction. And then you kind of start this whole other storyline. And there's just a lot of um, choosing uh, how your characters develop. There's a bunch of different characters that will join your group that are core members of the game. And but they're you, not played by real people. No. Okay. No. Huh. Yeah. I, th- I think it's only two player at most. Um, Sounds sort of like a fantasy Grand Theft Auto. You know, the, the to, where you get like little yeah, things you have to do yes. to build up your characters, and but like or you can then run out more. and do some more stuff. Yeah. Like I have a friend who's barely gotten into it, and they are well over a hundred hours into this game. Yeah. So you can just oh my shotgun your schedule. <laughs> into this thing and it's i don't know i just some of the encounters i'm just i'm not sure that this is my favorite type of game i think i like things a little more rail oriented Mm. like i want to i want a story i want a beginning middle end i want to get to an ending and i feel like i played the game i don't know that i need to live in a universe for like you know the entire next year of my life so you mentioned that Spider-Man 2 game and mm-hmm. somebody had posted uh, a video of his Spider-Man character standing next to two women talking, non-player characters talking. And he was like, the discussions in this game are so fun. Yeah. And it's just these two women talking about uh, one of them has got a baby stroller. Mm-hmm. And then she's <laughs> talking to the other woman about she's not sure if she actually wants a baby and uh, she's not sure what to do with the baby. And the other woman's telling her, you know, oh, this is how you change a diaper. And (laughs) And I was, I was like, this is a level of detail I did not know was in these games. Yeah, no, there is. um, Those games are extremely well written. They're really well thought through. Like they've, they've taken something that they've figured out in the first game, just developed and developed and developed on it. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're just trying to make the wheel really cool. Um, so yeah, I, from what I've seen and what I've played of these games, like they're really fucking enjoyable, really nicely detail oriented. I, uh, I have to stay away from this stuff. This will kill all <laughs> of my creativity. And... Yes, yes, it will. It really will. I just, every once in a while, I'm like, I just need to like decompress. And I don't know if this is the way for me to decompress. This is, this is only making back up. <laughs> yes. I got so mad. I started crying one of the times that I was playing. I was like, this is not a game that I am enjoying. Yes. Uh, one of my favorites for a while was Grand Theft Auto. And then they turned it into an online kind of mm. thing where it's all players. Or it's like, no, oh, this does not interest me at all. No. And they've stopped making new ones. Apparently there's a new one coming out, but so I was like, well, damn, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of nothing related to what I'm going to say, we watched an old film with uh, Dina last night, Romancing the Stone. Oh, oh my man. God. I've never <laughs> seen that. I've seen a lot of posters for it. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's not, it's not, I remember it being funnier than it is. And it's not because it's aged poorly, which it has to a certain extent. And like what would have been funny then isn't funny now. No, that's not going on. But uh, there's just a lot less humor in it than I remembered. It's still fun. It's fine. It's a good example of the, I mean, we've talked about this before, though. It's a good example of the kind of stuff that's just not made anymore. Yeah. You know, a little fun, romantic adventure movie that was probably, you know, middle of the road budget for that time period. Maybe a little higher because of the actors. But And uh, it's like, you know, it'd be cool to see something like this made again. But. It's just not going to happen. So, but it was fine. Yeah, man, gigantic hit. Oh fuck, it was huge. Yeah. Sequel was not good. No, but, uh, it was huge film. Hmm. Uh, and also one of those things where, uh, if you've ever been curious if Kathleen Turner was attractive, mm-hmm. she actually was attractive. Oh, it was funny She's... to watching the movie though, because she you know she starts off as the romance novelist schlub in her house. Yes. Then they've got virtually no makeup on her. Right. And it's very plain. Then she goes to the jungle of Colombia near Cartagena and suddenly she's got makeup look and all this stuff going, jungle's done you well. Yeah. Well, I think that was the <laughs> point of the story. The yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it worked. It did it really well. Nice. That's cute. Uh, have you guys been watching or caught up on uh, Rick and Morty this new season. No. No, I have not. Well, so there was, 
there they, was the like controversy. A whole new cast, right? Yeah, oh. well, not a whole new cast, uh, but Herschel. Justin Roiland, who created it and did the voices of Rick and Morty and several others, he's out. I guess, although his name is still all over it as executive producer, mm. but he is not doing the voices for Rick or Morty. And I don't know if it's one guy doing both of those voices or two guys, but it's uh, almost impossible to tell the difference. So oh, wow, that's and impressive. The writing has been. Really solid. The so there's six or seven episodes in already. Wow. The first episode I remember thinking, uh oh, they've lost it. Whatever magic he had was all the show was. Mm-hmm. But they've really uh ramped it up into being the very epic sci fi oh. fantasy type stuff that was you know, the best episodes were part of yeah. that. Mm. And uh I just watched an episode before you guys got here that was so dark. <laughs> oh man! And I was like, "Oh my God! Wow!" I when it hits, it still really hits, and uh, I'm really loving it. If you're not watching Rick and Morty and you are an adult, <laughs> I would absolutely uh, suggest this, recommend this, but uh, not for kids. No, this no. is not a show, not a cartoon for kids. It's not like South Center or South Center South Park can sort of balance that. Sometimes this does not ever balance that. It is definitely. Never. Right. I would say anything. South Park is not for kids it's either. Not, for kids. <laughs> not anymore. It's not. That's true. But the, what is that on? That uh, it's on Adult Swim, but I watch it on HBO. HBO yeah, it comes yeah. on the next night on HBO. Oh. Uh, Rick I, and Morty. I still can't believe that you'll watch Rick and Morty, but not Lower Decks. There's just something upsetting about this to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I. You know what? I, I understand that there's probably a lot of stuff I would like on Lower Decks. But I, I can't. Think you would love it. I just can't even bring myself to watch it after that one taste I got of it. <laughs> it's just such a poor representation of it. It's sort of it's like such I saw rep- Phantom of the Paradise. I am never going to listen to Kiss because <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> First of all, that was Phantom of the Park. Phantom oh, yeah, of the Paradise was <laughs> something else. That was the film with uh, what's his name, the musical that I don't like. It's just so far removed, but in and it's yeah. the Rick and Morty team. That's why I'm also like surprised. But. It's the Rick and Morty team. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know because they did another other animated thing that I just couldn't get into huh. a, a, a family comedy thing that I was like, oh, the I'm not space, getting into this. the Netflix thing. Was I think them? it was. I think that might be it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Listen, I'm a complicated person, well, Vanessa. I just think you're missing out on a, a joy <laughs> in your life that would just bring you so much light. I don't need more cartoons in my life. <laughs> that I, need, is, I need less cartoons. That is right. not true. I've... And you should take that back right now, you liar. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, um, I'm going to talk about something that uh, I, I actually watched more around Halloween time, but I always meant to bring up because it, it was such a weird and interesting experience. Um, so there was something that came out in the UK, I think in the nineties on TV and it's now available. You can find it on YouTube. It's called the black tower. Have either of you heard of this? I don't know. It's like a really early version of liminal spaces. So it's a guy who's essentially, I think he might be either writing a story or like about what he's experienced or he's writing a letter um, and he's talking about this black tower and he's just like a working class London guy. Um, it feels very like man on the street interview and you just hear his voice and you're getting these sort of images that are splashed over the top. And he's talking about this tower that he saw in his neighborhood and he was vaguely curious, but he didn't think twice about it. And then all of a sudden it would move. Yeah. And then it would be in another space. And he starts to really be curious about it. And the more curious he is about it, the more this tower kind of gets closer and closer and closer to him. And it's really fucking eerie. It's very short. I want to say it's like 10, 15 minutes. Um, But it, it really, it's such a good, interesting, very early version of that, like deep, dark horror, liminal space um, storytelling. So when you say Black Tower, I immediately went to like Castle, but this is not that kind of tower. No, it's like a tower. It's like a, a, a um, like a living block kind of thing, right? Like you look out and see like just a concrete tower block. Okay. And it's but it's black. Huh. 
I mean, it's not so black that it, you can't see any details at all, but there's also something about looking at it but never really seeing it, and it's always in the corner of your eye, and then you kind of try to look at it, but you're not really able to, it, There's Yeah, it's interesting. It's so, very interesting. So how can we see this? I would I would go and find out on YouTube. YouTube, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things that came out years ago in the UK as part of, I think, a, a kind of a horror s- series that they were doing, a sort of experimental let's just try this TV show for some reason and each episode will have some weird shit. And uh, so you get that. That stuff is awesome. And this is such a good example of that. So, How did this um, get on your radar all of a sudden? Um, My husband somehow fell across it and he was like, we're going to watch this thing. And I was like, okay, what is this thing we're going to watch? Um, so I don't, I don't even know how it got on his radar other than, you know, it's just one of those things that people are, are sharing here and there, maybe in Reddit threads of like, oh my God, have you ever seen this weird thing that existed? Oh man. Very cool. The Black Tower. Mm-hmm. Weird. I don't remember during the 100 days thing, did I ever talk about a film called Candyland? I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm not sure I did, but this was one that showed up because our buddy Jason Weiss gave it a fairly strong review, and it was uh, looked whatever. Sure, it's a Candyland two words. It's on a to be or to rent from a bunch of places, and um, it's probably the closest to a '70s exploitation film I've seen made in the last. 10 years. It's from 2022. Oh, okay. And it's the story of uh, sect workers that work in a truck stop. Okay. And shit goes very wrong for them when intense religious people get involved with trying to save them and sort of twists into, is is she trying to save them or is she trying to join them? One of the women Mm. flees from the cult. Uh, and kind of hangs out with them, and it's dirty and grimy and dark mm. and fairly well done. One of the <laughs> better performances by Billy Baldwin. I think it's Billy oh, Baldwin. That's wow. In it. uh, William Baldwin, excuse me. William Baldwin. <laughs> but uh, if you're looking for, can can we do, can we still do this dark, gnarly shit? Apparently, yes, we can. <laughs> Wow. Interesting. What a strange time we live in when William Baldwin is the normal or the normalist of the Baldwins. (laughs) Sure is. Sure is. (laughs) What alternative universe did we land in? It's like COVID hit and all the dice, speaking of D&D, all the dice were rolled. He he also plays one of the darkest characters in sort of a way as the cop who's kind of saving them, but not really because he's saving them for his own purposes and it's uh I don't know, it's it's an uncomfortable film in a lot of a lot of ways. I was gonna say is this mostly like a just a kind of painful film to sit through because it's so awkward or difficult or is it something that is enjoyable in well, any other way? Yeah, it's, uh, with the two of you and video nasties, yeah. I would say maybe not. Oh okay. well why'd you even bring it up, you asshole? <laughs> because a lot of the people in this show are liking the video nasties and I've watched a whole shitload of them and uh, Jason Jason's one of our listeners. All right. <laughs> That's fair. I like Jason. I do too. He's a good dude. Yep. All right. Well, how about we take a little break, and uh, then when we come back, we are going to be doing the last of the nasties. Thank God. flavored Walker's Crisps, you'll be making a contribution to Comic Relief. Buy the special multi-pack and get a limited edition whoopee cushion. returned uh eric yes why don't you start us off on the last of the video nasties you know what i'm fine with that as well (laughs) i'm putting 10 minutes on the buzzer i will probably not watch one that i don't 
want to watch for a long time. This is a weird one. This is a tough one. It's called Fight for Your Life. We are a nation racked with violent crime. You are about to see a small sample of an extraordinary gut-crunching film that vividly portrays the most sadistic of these criminals. That's your baby? That's right. Shame to make her an orphan. Just do like you told. Ain't no rally gonna get hurt. <gasps> Now we put the cuts together and shake out the hands. It's done. We're blood brothers. And if we come in? Who are you? What is this all about? Jesse King, ma'am, and I'll ask the questions. You understand? Hey, Joey. How are you, man? Where the hell are you been? Louise? Do we have company? Company? You better believe it. Ah! Hold your fire! Faced with the terror of brutal killers, every cop, every man knows that surrender is impossible. You must fight for your life. All right, no more killing. Throw the gun out the window, and then you come out. This is your last chance. A story filled with unbelievable action, a movie of excruciating violence, a saga of extraordinary courage that will leave you cheering. Fight for your life. Experience it soon, here. From 1977, it says no, no uh, ratings from critics, but a 52 from the crowd. Uh, budget maybe of 75,000, but I couldn't verify that. No box office because it had a tough time in theaters. Uh, directed by Robert E. Edelson. He only directed one other thing called The Filthiest Show in Town. Yeah. <laughs> He's director, editor, and producer on both films. Wow. <laughs> Written by Straw Reisman who you might know from Godzilla 1985, Red Scorpion 2, Bikini Model Academy, and Trunk. But he did produce 45 movies and was a production manager on 33 of them, or 33 films, starring Robert Judd. Uh, Played Scratch in Crossroads, but sadly died the same year Crossroads came out. He plays the lead in this. Uh, Playing a character (laughs) weirdly named Ted Turner. Oh, my. (laughs) No, I don't think it had much to do with it, considering it was several years before he became a super known name. Mm. Uh, Catherine Peppers, uh, not known for much, but she's been seen recently as in College Humor Originals. Mm. Leela Small, no other credits. Uh, Reggie uh, Rock Bythood, 75 episodes of New York Undercover. I don't know. And the best known actor from this is William Sanders, oh. who's in Blade Runner. 39 episodes of True Blood, 36 episodes of Deadwood, and 91 episodes of New Heart. Kind of using the same accent he uses in this, mm-hmm. playing a complete racist asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hadn't, when I first looked at the credits, I didn't, he was way down the list, which is weird because he's in most of the film. But then he starts talking. I'm going, oh, fine. I know this voice. <laughs> All I can hear is, is my brother Daryl, <laughs> my other brother Daryl. Oh, no. Uh, the story starts uh, out. Oh, the opening music lets you no doubt what era this film was put in. It's got a strong kind of shaft sound to it. Uh, Fight for Your Life, I believe, is the name of the song. This is considered also a black exploitation film, at least according to Josiah Howard's Black Exploitation Cinema book, okay. The Essential Relevant Reference Guide. It's actually a really good book. <laughs> um, starts with three prisoners being transported through New York and they're escaping. Uh, the three prisoners get, I mean, it's a drop of information, but it's done fairly well with a voiceover that's a police dispatch describing the three people and what they're guilty of and stuff. So it kind of works. So it's it the n- unnecessary description that might normally be exposition in a film, they make work a little bit. It's kind of well done. Uh, the go, the, a cop goes to visit one of the prisoner's cellmates. Cellmate doesn't want to help because the cop was his dad's best friend. And saved his life in Vietnam. And despite all that, he still threw him in jail. Whoa. Because this is the guy that follows the rules. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So then we're introduced to the main family of the story. It's a a black family with the virtues of 
and they're talking about the virtues of turning the other cheek. One's a pastor, the lead, the dad's the pastor, meek shall inherit the earth. At the same time, the rest of the family is less interested, including the son, who's a big Muhammad Ali fan, <laughs> has a t-shirt with Muhammad Ali on it at some point in the movie. Um, bring out another pretty good song in the film, something called Never Again. Uh, there's a store robbery that goes bad, and in the time is one of the daughters from the family, and they kind of... They don't show it real well, but they basically hijack her and go back to their house. Um, there's a fairly intense scene with the lead guy threatening the shop owner's baby with God. a gun. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then there's the, the nice scene of the black boy and the little white kid cutting each other to become blood brothers. <laughs> a scene that's actually surprisingly sweet and well done. Uh, the grandmother is awesome in this movie for not taking shit from people. And I tell you, William Sanders' character is fucking terrible. He qualifies as one of the most racist characters I've ever seen in a film. It is very hard to watch at times. It is really rough, and it is really, really nasty. Mm -hmm. Part that helps save the movie is the family's reaction to him is very interesting. And there's more going on here than just being a flat exploitation film. About a, a racist piece of shit. And <laughs> guy is just, I will quote nothing from him <laughs> in this film. The white kid they knew earlier comes over to see why his friend didn't come out to meet him later. And they kill that kid. Oh, <laughs> so easy. Who, in the next scene you find out, is the son of one of the cops. Not the law, not the one who follows all the rules, but another cop. Oh. And uh, so the film then goes forward through. And ends how you would hope it would end. But it is he is so awful through most of the movie, I wanted a little more retribution put on him. Mm. But uh, he definitely gets gets his shit in the end, That's at least. But, whew, this is a tough watch. And I after I read about it before, I'm going, man, am I even going to want to talk about this film? It's actually a fairly well-made movie. Mm. But, Lee. Tagline, an unbelievable orgy of terror, which was released under the name Bloodbath at 1313 Fury Road, which makes no sense. There's very little killing in the movie. <laughs> 89 minutes of gut-crunching terror. Apparently, the <clears throat> from what I read in the comments, diving into the YouTube comments on this, probably was a scary idea, but one of them said it, it's been edited a little bit. The killing of the kid is reduced, and there's another scene or two that's cut down a little bit, but uh, it was denied a British theatrical release in 81, but a video came out the year later, and then it wound up on the Video Nasties list. It's notable for being the only Video Nasties to appear on the list due to language about racism. Wow. Uh, in an interview from Josiah Howard's Black Exploitation Cinema book, uh, he asked, uh, several directors spoken to have talked about racism behind the scenes in Hollywood. Did you experience that? I don't know about racing behind the scenes. I was focusing on the racism in front of the camera. <laughs> Fight for Your Life was a virtual license to express racism, and we were all completely into putting that license to good use. Uh, the black actors in the film, this is the director still talking. The black actors in the film consistently told me that the story of raw racism was important and worthy of their time and effort to tell. No one had anything, any reservations about anything, and that was a green light for me. I think everyone's commitment to the project shows you can't fake commitment like you can fake blood and guts. I think that's part of what works. The acting is well put forward. The fights are a little rough. Uh, the, obviously, they were not ready. Like, there's a part where the asshole beats down the uh, pastor with a Bible. That is very obviously incredibly sped up film. <laughs> so it kind of pulls away from that. Oh, it's like, oh, that's awful. Well, Okay, that looks weird. He took the entire cast and crew and put them in a hotel in upstate New York. So basically, they were with themselves the whole time. It was kind of like a recreation almost of the event itself. Mm. Um, so they all did that. Uh, he was wrongfully quoted as saying he didn't want to uh, talk about the movie, so he didn't do an audio commentary. And the race said... That's not true at all. Regarding DVD release, many people think I did not offer commentary because I'm ashamed of the film. That's simply not true. I felt it was the job of other people to talk about, examine, and or discuss the pic picture, not me. So no regrets whatsoever. 
Absolutely none. In fact, I have a fantasy of remaking it. I would call Fight for Life, Resurrection, Turn the Other Cheek, Grandma, Sharpen Your Chainsaw. <laughs> well. <laughs> so it is a tough film to watch. It is not. It definitely falls into that world of there's no way it would ever be made nowadays. Um, but it is not cheap exploitation, hmm. like some racism used in movies. It is there for an uncomfortable reason, and it's handled well by the actors involved. I can't say I'd recommend this film. I know I'm not watching it again. I was <laughs> glad this was a YouTube video and not a vinegar syndrome or something I'd purchased because it's not one I'm going to revisit, but it was powerfully made. Well, you watched it on your YouTube, so you probably landed on some kind of list. Oh, I deleted it out of my history there, man. <laughs> oh, man. Get that Incognito out. Incognito mode. <laughs> and time. Nailed it. <laughs> man, that is how you do it, Vanessa. No kidding. That's how you do it, Vanessa. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'm putting 10 minutes on the buzzer for you. All right. Well, I went with a film that I, I don't think I've actually seen all the way through. I, I saw parts of it in high school, and I was like, you know, per usual, I'm going to be the one amongst the group that watches something that all of our audience has already watched and heard <laughs> and talked about a thousand times, and they're super over it. But it's new to me. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Evil Dead from 1981. The guy that's renting it says it's an old place. A little run down. But it's right up in the mountains. Well, it might not be that bad. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kondarian ruins. Naturan de Monto. Shut it off! Roughly translated. Book of the Dead. It's not gonna let us leave. This is probably one of the biggest ones on this uh, on the list, you know, for as far as being a popular, well-known film. Never heard of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Rotten Tomato score of 86% from critics and audience really disagrees at 84%. Um, budget of 375K. Box office, this was confusing. 2.7 million or 29.4 million. I tried to follow up what this meant. There was no real explanation but other than like somebody like take all the releases it's had since its first time. I'm wondering, it's yeah. gotta be that. It's gotta be that because I was like, this makes no sense. Uh, written and directed, of course, by Sam Raimi, who has 39 directing credits to his name, including um, Spider-Man one through three, Darkman, uh, of course, the other uh, Army of Darkness, Ash versus Evil Dead, et cetera, et cetera. He also did Quick and the Dead, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and um, a lot of short films. If you ever want to feel good about yourself, this man did basically just short films from 1972 to 1979. So, you know, a lot of us have to work our way up into the industry. Um, starring Bruce Campbell, who has 168 credits to his name. He's, of course, Ash in every single Evil Dead version of everything ever. <laughs> um, he's also Elvis in Bubba Hotep. Uh, 111 episodes of Burn Notice, 12 episodes of Hercules, and 27 episodes of Briscoe County Jr. Ellen Sandvice, 18 credits to their name, um, comes. Uh, the, she does, actually does come back and do the Cheryl character a lot and a lot of behind the scenes stuff and some Raimi kind of walk on roles. So that's most of her credits. Richard DeManicor, 
five credits to his name. He basically did this and then came back for the Dead by Daylight game, um, which is kind of fun. It's interesting <laughs> that that's what brought him back to the Evil Dead universe. Uh, Betsy Baker, who has 93 credits to her name, lots and lots of TV episodes. And I was shocked by this. She did literally nothing between 1990 and 2006, but still has 93 credits. So Jeez. way to go, girl. And Teresa Tilly, 23 credits to her name. Pretty scattered stuff, but she did actually come back for um, Oz, uh, The Great and Powerful, which is a Raimi joint, and Evil Dead the Game. So the story follows five Michigan State students. It's Ash, his girlfriend, Linda, his sister, Cheryl, their friend, Scotty, and Scotty's girlfriend, Shelly. They're going on vacation to this isolated cabin in rural Tennessee, and something in the woods is following and kind of watching and alive and doing a lot of handheld running around shots. Um, and from the start, it's messing with them. It starts to uh, try to veer the car into an oncoming truck, and you get the sense that this thing is going to be a menace throughout they, of course, get to the cabin, um, but they have to drive over a very rickety bridge, which basically falls apart as they're driving across it. Probably not going to be super usable later. <laughs> uh, things start to be a little odd here and there. They're noticing weird things moving and noises, but they chuck it up to this just being an old, cheap place. Um, however, Cheryl, who is enjoying drawing a clock for some reason, uh, has her hand become almost possessed, and she ends up drawing a picture of this weird, like, square, which took me a minute, and I was like, ah, book. Right. It's a book. Okay, got it. Um, as they hang out that evening, drinking by the fire, um, a floorboard um, to down to the cellar bursts open, and the boys decide they need to go down and investigate. There they find the Book of the Dead, along with a tape recorder. And when they bring the tape recorder upstairs and play it, Cheryl starts freaking out, losing her mind, saying that they need to stop. And of course, in the meantime, something in the woods is basically being unleashed in a bunch of smoke and red light. Um, that night, a demonic voice calls Cheryl into the woods where the trees attack her. <clears throat> she manages <laughs> to escape back to the cabin, but she's basically been infected by this sort of like witch, creech, demon thing that's happening it's not super well defined ash agrees however uh before she gets super real to drive her back to town but of course the car doesn't work and even if it did work the bridge has now fully fallen into the ravine so they return to the cabin defeated um ash randomly decides to listen to more of the tape by this professor and kind of what happened after the incantation his wife had become possessed and he had to sever her limb from limb that may or may not be useful information. <laughs> Shortly after uh, Cheryl is fully become uh, becomes possessed by the demon, uh, she attacks Linda in the ankle with a pencil. That was fucked up looking. Uh, <laughs> Scotty then locks her in the cellar where she uh, hangs out and mocks them for most of the rest of the film. Next, of course, uh, Shelley becomes possessed, then Linda, and finally Scotty. Um, they all become uh, overtaken by this demony thing. Um, and uh, Ash has to fight off his friends and attempt to escape the demons while they all taunt him. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of pus. There's a lot of milk. A lot of milk. There are a lot of scratches. Uh, he does finally manage to burn the book, and that kind of blows up slash explodes slash erodes slash claymations all of his friends around him. <laughs> Crazy arms come out of them with claws, which was really cool looking. Uh, the sun rises. He makes his way out of the cabin successful, or does he? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So this film, um, you guys have all seen it. You all know it. I'm picturing every scene you're saying. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, like, a lot of this was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I know it, but I don't know it. Like, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I've seen versions of these things. Um, really, really, really clever camera and effects. I mean, that is what blows this film out of the, the waters of crappy independent horror filmmaking. He did a lot with very little, including smoke machines, lights, stop motion animation, throwing logs around. Just, I mean, like there's not, you don't see a lot of this stuff and it's just being inventive. Um, uh, he also uses a lot of extremely bad sound design, but because of the way it's used, it feels unique and interesting. I mean, the sound design is 
god awful. It's like a really cheapo effects library, but <laughs> the way that it's used, it's it becomes a little bit more fun. Um, it it's one of those ones where I think that I like this film more than the other Evil Dead movies because there's no expectations that are set. The audience isn't already expected to cheer for slash enjoy the certain kind of horror. It's horror. Like, there's still very much horror. And even though it's a demon, there is this feeling of having a fighting chance. It's not so all-powerful that it can, like, you know, levitate a whole house off. Like, you can still close the door and it's stuck on the other side. And I think there's something really nice about that. Um, it gives it a, a kind of rough-edged feel that's enjoyable. However, I will say they are pretty goddamn awful to the female characters. Uh, not only are they not written well, but they also have the tree rape, so that's fun. And then all three women become witches or demons or whatever first before it gets to the men. There's a really uncomfortable slap where um, Ash slaps the shit out of his girlfriend for basically just laughing at him before she goes full, full demon. And it's like, whoa, right? Um, Also, Ash has a really big uh, unibrow. So that's fun. There's a fair amount of trivia, but I know I'm running out of time. Uh, this film's released, uh, w- it was released, bleh, the, ugh, it was met with a lot of controversy upon release. Raimi had made the film as gruesome as possible with neither interest nor fear of censorship. And of course, in the UK, it was trimmed by 49 seconds before granting hmm. an X certificate. wonder what's 49 seconds. I know, right? <laughs> uh, the censored version was also released on home video uh, when there was no requirement for it to be classified. And then a campaign, of course, by the NVLA led to the video nasty era, and it was removed from circulation. Um, in 1990, a further 66 sec- seconds were trimmed, and the film was granted an 18 certificate for home video release. And in 2000, the uncut version was finally granted an 18 certificate for both cinema and home video. Um, of course, in the U.S., the film just received an X rating, has since been reduced to NC-17 for substantial graphic horror, violence, and gore. Uh, though many home uh, recent home video releases come out just without a rating. So uh, I feel like you can pretty easily see this in its full uh, fullness. However, <laughs> in some countries, it is still banned theatrically to this day. Wow. So. Uh, there's a lot of trivia. It, there's just so much there's stuff on literally this. Literally books. There's <laughs> books and books on this film. Um, there's so much out there. There's a lot of really fun, interesting stuff. Um, I will say I didn't realize how big of Bruce Campbell's uh, role in it. Just one small thing. He put up his family's property in northern Michigan as collateral so that Sam Raimi could not only finish the film, but also blow it up to 35 millimeter film, which required a theatrical release. Raimi was uh, so grateful that he, of course, gave him a credit as co-producer. So there's just tons of really interesting stuff you can find out about this movie. Sure. Uh, okay, you've seen it now. Yes. Uh, knock this off your bucket list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will you watch it again, or do you feel like once was enough? Um, you know, I I would watch it again. I think it's fun enough and interesting enough, and like all the vi- like visual variety makes it something that I could certainly sit through again. Yeah. I don't know how desperate I am to watch a lot of the other Evil Dead stuff because, like I said, once it starts becoming knowing of itself, I don't think I like it at that point. <laughs> Evil Dead too. <laughs> Saw. <laughs> The weirdest, you know, like that kind of issue. The weirdest thing for this film, when I watched it, mm-hmm. it was flat horror. Yeah, and it was really fucking scary at the time. Yeah, but since then, I've seen, I saw like a screening in the theaters or sometime in the '90s, well after Evil Dead Two yeah. and Army of Darkness, and it turned into a comedy for yep. the people that had already had seen those movies first, and yeah. then went back to watch it. Going, this is weird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. And I, I can totally see that. And Ash now we all know as this hero. But yeah. in this film, he sucks. Yeah. He's yeah. useless 99% of the time. It's only really in the last five, 10 minutes of the film that he does anything. He mostly stands around. And I think that's why he comes out unscathed is he's not actually trying to do anything. <laughs> He was foiled by a bookshelf at one point. He was. Yes, he was under that bookshelf true. for a while. He's <laughs> <was> like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I like this movie quite a bit still. Yeah. Uh, pr- 
probably tied to my my first memory of seeing it was probably eighty three or eighty four with my brother who rented it and mm. uh, and we were terrified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's gross too. Like yeah. they the they are not short on the chopping off ankles or yeah. you know blood that coming out of things. Pencil the ankle scene. Is, that was gosh, rough. That's rough. Yes. That was probably that was probably one of the hardest things. Or watching, you know, fingers get crushed into doors. Mm-hmm. Even with them being demony fingers, I was still like, "Ooh, that yeah. sucks." Yeah, I, I, this is probably the movie I've purchased more versions of than any yeah. other. <laughs> the funny thing is, I think I've owned this at least three separate times, but <laughs> could not be bothered to try and find my version. So uh, ended up renting it on Amazon. Of course, you did. <laughs> yep. All right, I'm putting 10 minutes on the buzzer for the very last nasty. I picked a real doozy. It is called Night of the Bloody Apes. Night of the Bloody Apes. See animal and rational aspects of the human psyche trapped in creatures that are half man, half beast. All horror. They rip, they tear, they claw you to pieces. The Night of the Bloody Apes makes you see the hell man creates for himself. The Night of the Bloody Apes. 1969. uh, No budget information. I tried to find out what this meant. It has a box office of $171. What does that mean? <laughs> I could find no no other information on One this. One theater, not I'll, well attended. <laughs> I will tell you this. Uh, that probably made its budget back. <laughs> wow. No information for Rotten Tomato Critics or audience. Directed by Rene Cardona, who has 148 credits. Oh, I should have had Micah do this. Uh, (laughs) Capilina contra los vampiros. uh, En peligro de muerte. (laughs) And Pompeo el Conquistador. It was written by Rene Cardona Jr. Now, directed by Rene Cardona. (laughs) (laughs) Written by Rene Cardona Jr., (laughs) who has 77 credits, including... Los Placeres Ocultos, Guyana, Cult of the Damned, and Vanessa. No, that's the name of the movie, oh, Vanessa. I, I was waiting. I know you were. <laughs> I was like, am I supposed to fill in the gap? Because I don't know what I'm supposed to say right nope. now. Starring Jose Elias Morena for, uh, let's see, 192 credits, including Adventure at the Center of the Earth, The Count of Monte Cristo, and The Black Beast. Also stars Carlos Lopez Moctezuma. 218 credits, including The Murder of Camellia the Texan, The Man and the Beast, and Santo versus the Ghost of the Strangler. Also stars Armando Silvestre, who has 210 credits, including Two Mules for Sister Sarah, Pocket Angel, and Los Muñecas del King Kong. <laughs> and then also in this movie is Norma Lazareno, Augustin Martinez, Javier Rizzo, and Gerard Zepeda. Okay, I'm going to guess you guys have not seen Night of the Bloody Apes. No, I am hoping nope. so much that is wall-to-wall apes, and I am guessing uh, I would be... be dis- you're going to be very disappointed. Oh, oh, it hurts. It hurts my heart. Not is there not only not bloody apes. Yeah. There's not even a bloody ape. Oh. There is one gorilla. Oh, no. And he dies very, very quickly. Oh, no. Oh, uh, we start with a scene in a Mexican wrestling hall. It's got two women in latex costumes and masks beating the hell out of each other. And one of the women is clearly winning. Her name is Lucy, and she throws the other girl off the top rope and out of the ring. But that girl lands badly and ends up being critically injured, and Lucy is horrified. Oh, no. So, first off, you guys, this movie looks ultra, ultra cheap. Uh, (laughs) Really, really quite bad. When we see the women wrestling from a distance, in other words doing any of the wrestling moves. They have pretty stout female bodies. But when we see Lucy in close-up, she clearly weighs about 120 pounds, and she is definitely not the same person who threw the girl (laughs) over the top rope. But at this point, kind of having a good time with the flick. It's very bad, but in a very entertaining way. Uh, The luchador aspect of the film really doesn't play any further, which is a bummer. There's one more scene, and then that's it. Uh, Instead, we switch to a mad scientist named Dr. Krellman, who is attempting to cure his son's leukemia with the first ape-to-human heart transplant, 
kids, do not try this at home. Oh my God. <laughs> it does not work. <laughs> However, Oof. in this film, his son, who is quite handsome, survives the transplant, at least better than I did, because the transplant scenes are actual footage of a Ugh. graphic open heart surgery. No. And it was enough to make me a little lightheaded. Oh, no. It goes oh. on for quite some time, oh. and this is clearly why it was put on the video nasties list. Oh, uh, we are told the operation was a success, but shortly thereafter, while the boy is recuperating in bed, he suddenly starts sprouting hair all over his face and then opens his eyes. Nowhere else, just his face turns into kind of a very bad gorilla mask. <laughs> okay. Uh, he is now a bloody ape, Oh, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> Actually, he looks like a regular man with regular skin, except for his head, which has, uh, it looks like almost uh, a paper mache mask, something you would have <laughs> created in grade school. That's how bad these effects are. Oh. Um, but with the ape transformation comes the rage of the ape, and he escapes Ooh. and goes on the rampage. Uh, what this means is that he attacks women and rapes them, although oh, he never Jesus. really does that. He kind of dry humps them and then leaves them very disheveled <laughs> and oh moves my on. God. Lord. He also kills a couple of men, one by crushing him with his ape strength arms, I guess, and the other he scalps by tearing the hair and most of the flesh off of one man. Woof. This is probably the best scene in the movie. Um, <laughs> I mildly looked up from my phone long enough to appreciate it. <laughs> the B plot is that the female wrestler's boyfriend is the cop that is on the hunt for the bloody ape. So that's how she's tied in. Mm. There is a point where the mad scientist gets his son back and reverses the transformation, but it doesn't take, and he reverts back and kidnaps a young child, taking her to the top of a building. Huh. <laughs> yes. Of course. Wow. Was this movie quite, quite bad? Yes, it was. But did I enjoy it? No, I did not. <laughs> But I had kind of given up on this theme, and I was not willing to put myself through any more schlock shit movies. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys get this. Uh, tagline, half man, half beast, all horror. <laughs> <laughs> Another tagline, they rip, they claw, they tear you to pieces. They? Uh, yeah, the, the bloody apes. The, they, the, okay. <laughs> and uh, the, the one thing I saw that I really liked on a video cassette. Uh, cover it said strong uncut version oh well that's nice so, i was hoping to get the weak <laughs> this movie version. is also known as la oreplante bestia humana which translates to the horrible man beast it's also known as horror y sexo horror and sex Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as Gomar, the the human gorilla, <laughs> which is my favorite. That's so good. Um, okay, <laughs> this movie was added to the video nasty list and remained there throughout the panic. The band video gained attention due to its pre-certification video cover featuring bloody surgeon's hands holding a scalpel with the caption, Warning, this film contains scenes of extreme and explicit violence. Uh, Norma Lazzarino's first nude scenes and the only time she shows her breasts on screen. Both shower scenes were shot in the same day and then edited into different points of the film. You're going to love this, Vanessa. Lazzarino said years later that she agreed to film the nudity in order to be cast in a major role. She was nervous enough when it came time to strip, but to make matters worse, suddenly there were a lot more male crew on oh, set geez. than normal. Oh, God. Bad director. They Bad. shot her first shower scene that takes place before she answers the door to talk to her boyfriend. Uh -huh. Then the director came to her and said he wanted to shoot her again where she is showering, steps out, and lies on a table to talk on a phone. That uh -huh. would replace a scene later in the script where she's dressed and talking on the phone. Oh, God. She ended up spending half a day naked on set, surrounded by men. The director also talked her into filming both scenes with full frontal nudity without using a towel to cover herself so her pubic hair was showing. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to, but agreed anyway because she felt she had no choice. Later, she learned from someone else that there was no way they would use the full frontal shots because censors wouldn't allow it. So this was clearly just the director going, I would oh, like to see you. Bad director. <laughs> naked. Bad, bad. That bad director. fucking sucks. <laughs> it was a different time, Vanessa. Oh, it wasn't and that a different long country. ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. thinks it's uh, dependent on who is working, <laughs> who is making the movie. Uh, that was the last of the nasties, you guys, and yeah, I couldn't be too, happier. I am <laughs> happier. ready to move my on. 
Well, uh, so that means we need a new topic, and I guess we're going to go back Whoa. to us uh, just kind of going round robin and figuring sure. out topics. Yeah. Vanessa, you want to tell us what we're talking about next week? Yeah, 100%. Uh, first of all, I don't want you to have a turn for a hot minute, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I this, would... was, this might have been a suggestion of mine, but the listeners voted on this. I understand that, but you made it come upon the earth I wanted through concepts yes, I vampires there's some there's some amusement <laughs> that came out of that that I'm sure several of the people that voted this have thoroughly enjoyed watching you two squirm so much oh man well, well tell us what we are going to talk about then. I'm going to heavily segue away from the video nasty genre and right into the killer robot genre oh yes nice. I love this idea mm-hmm. God. beep beep boop boop <laughs> Murder. <laughs> crush, crush. Uh, I love it. Okay, yeah. so that's what we will do next week then. So this is where I say thanks yes. to everyone who is, you know, spreading the word and keeping the algorithm going. I don't understand exactly how the algorithm works, but when you like and share posts, that helps. Apparently, when you leave a good review on your favorite podcatcher, then that also feeds the algorithm somehow. Yeah, we yeah. need some new good reviews here. If you're, or you know, if you want to yell at us and hate us, whatever. But Just why, leave a review. <laughs> but why spread the negativity? Yeah, That's right. you can always leave a, a positive like star rating and then tell us, you know, tell us off in the comment section. Oh, We're done with that. Point. That's good. That's point. Good. Five stars. Worst podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> or like, why did you guys spend so much time talking about blah, 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 blah? And then we will uh, address that. And we'll do another show based on whatever that subject is. <laughs> yep. All day or day. Because we're smart also, asses. <laughs> you can also reach us on the Strange Eons Radio hotline, which is 253-237-4266. And you can discuss with uh, other like-minded people on the Strange Eons Radio talk page on Facebook. Have I forgotten anything, guys? I don't think so. Buy us a pizza from Buy You a Coffee. Or That's right. Sign up for repeating donations through uh, PayPal, whichever you like to do. We're open for that. And uh, yeah, again, with the Facebook one, it's become fairly active. So jump on and ask a question about something. Mm-hmm. You know, I guarantee you there's at least three or four people on there that are going to answer no matter what you post. Immediately, so have some too. fun. So, all right, guys, that's it for this episode. We'll be back in seven short days. We are talking killer robots. Transportation and other considerations for Strange Eons Radio, produced by Pan Am Airlines. When you think of traveling, think of Pan Am. You can't beat the experience. Guests of Strange Eons Radio stay at Econo Lodge Everett. It's an easy stop on the road, if you know what we mean. Strange Eons Radio is recorded live in front of a studio audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Sit, Ubu, sit. And nothing does what you thought it was going to do at all, and then you die.